0: Welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. John chapter one this morning, John chapter one. And While you guys are turning there, we're going to have a little sing-along. You guys like sing-alongs? too bad too bad sing-alongs this morning so here's what we're gonna do I'm bad at singing please don't run we're only do this for a second I'm gonna sing a little bit of a song and if you know it I want you to sing the next part of it you guys got it Everybody with me this means yes this means no some of you gone. I'm not doing all right here we go Uh, Jesus loves me this I know All right. That was an easy one. That was an easy one. I threw you a little softball there. Very good. Very good. Let's make it a little harder here. Here, Let's try again. Um, this little light of mine. I should have known I couldn't stump Christians with church songs. I should have known better. Okay. Let's try a different one. Let's, let's try a sec, uh, secular song. Here we go. You guys ready? rock a baby. Mmm, you guys are pretty good. You guys sing way better than me, by the way, okay? All, all of this for the next one. This is this is where we're going. This is the point, and if you get this one wrong, we're going to have to pray and dismiss because I can't preach if you get this one wrong. This one's a hard. You ready? Here we go. Oh, do you know the muffin man, the muffin man, the muffin man. Oh, do you know the muffin man who... Man, you guys don't have a clue where the Muffin Man lives. Okay, let's stand and pray. We'll dismiss. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I I like that song. I like the Muffin Man song, and you guys did great. Thank you for doing that with me. I like that song. By the way, he lives on Drury Lane, which I don't know where that's at, but apparently that's where the Muffin Man lives. The second part of that song is an answer. So we all know the first part, like, do you know the Muffin Man? The second part goes, oh, yes, I know the Muffin Man, and it just kind of continues that. And as I was thinking about it, how do we know that we know the Muffin Man? Because some of you guys didn't know the Muffin Man. You know the Muffin Man because you know something about him. You know where he lives. You, you've got with him this personal identifier that I know not a Muffin Man. I know the Muffin Man, that very specific, particular Muffin Man, because I know that he lives on Jury Lane. What that tells me is that there's a personal connection to that particular Muffin Man. And we ask that question a lot, right? Like we'll be talking and we'll be like, oh, do you, do you know so-and-so? Do you, do you, know, do you know Jack? Do you know that guy? And and what do we usually answer like, oh, I know, I know, Jack. I went to school with Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack Jack and me, uh, we were in the, you know, like three years apart. And I never talked to him. I've never sp- spoken a word to him, but I know him, right? Or are we, this is the South where everything is about who you're kin to, right? Well, do you know Jill, Jill? Jill is that Johnny's brother like I don't know Jill but I know John we start tracking it down like oh no that's not Johnny's that's not Johnny's sister that's that's Johnny's nephew or something like that I don't know I've got confused now but anyway we we ask these questions do you know where I was like yeah I know that person I know them but the truth is um, you know of them but you don't know them See, know means that we know them personally. We know some personal identifiers from them. And to say that we know somebody comes from personal experience with them. It comes from a personal connection. And that's when we know people. And so I want to ask you this question this morning. It's like, like if you knew like, your best friend and I ask you, well, do you know, insert their name here? You'd be like, oh yeah, I know what their favorite food is, where they live, what they like to eat, who their favorite football team is, all of those things. If I ask you that about your spouse, I know my spouse. I know all of the annoying habits that they've had for the past 30 years of my life. But a lot of people, we think we know and we don't. Let me ask you this question. Do you know Jesus? And I don't mean, do you know of Jesus? I don't mean, have you heard the name? Is he so-and-so's brother? Or we went to school together. What I'm asking you is not if you know about his symbol or the stories or academic information about him. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus through experience and personal connection? We're starting a new series this morning called, I Know Jesus. And we're going to go straight to the, can you say from the horse's mouth, can I say that? Straight to the horse's mouth. We're going to go to Jesus' best friend, John. And John is going to tell us about Jesus. And if you don't know John, John was one of the original 12 apostles. He, he uh, was chosen, handpicked by Jesus to be one of the men that God would entrust the church with and spread the gospel. But more, than, more so than the other 12, John was in Jesus' inner, most personal circle, John knows things about Jesus the other 12 don't because he was there at times when they weren't. And so when John sits down... And he writes his gospel. His gospel looks a little bit different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other three places that we find the story of of Jesus. And it's not that they disagree. It's that they have differences among them because John knew Jesus in a way those others might not have. He knew him with a different kind of closeness. And so John comes to us this morning in John chapter 1, and he wants to introduce his friend. Now, how would you introduce your friend to a bunch of strangers, besides their name? Like, this is my friend Joey. I have to be nice to Joey. i mean to him all the time. I, this is my friend Joey, but what, what, would you, what would you say? We always try to tell people something about the, our friend that's not obvious. We try to tell them things that you might not see at first glance, right? Like, like this, this is my friend Joey, but he's uh, don't let him fool you. He's shy, but he will talk your ear off when he gets more comfortable around you, right? Or, or we might introduce somebody else. We might introduce our friend, um, Samantha, and we might say, uh, Samantha, she doesn't seem very nice. You know, she kind of kind of growls at you. She doesn't seem very personable. But then we say, but what you don't know about her is she is the first person when you need something. She's the first one to be there. The old saying, she'll give you the shirt off of our back, off her back. And what John wants to do in his gospel here is what he wants to do is he goes, oh, this is Jesus who you've heard of, but let me introduce to you the things that you might not know about him. And so for that reason, John does not focus on what Jesus said or did. John focuses on what's in Jesus that makes him different than everybody else. Some of you may remember COVID last year, and we were, we were all, when we were out of church for a while, we went over the seven I am's of Jesus Christ, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those things were all introduced to us by only one of the apostles. That was John, because he wants you to know Jesus, not just know about him. So where would we start if we were John? How would you start in introducing Jesus? Go ahead, tell me, how would you start introducing him? First thing you'd say about him, Jesus was the Son of God. Very good. Jesus is the Son of God. How would you introduce his story? You're going to tell me the story of Jesus. He started where? In a manger. I heard in a manger. I heard some others, a birth, virgin birth, stuff like that. All right. So that's what uh, Matthew and Luke both start with. But here's what's interesting, not John. Remember, John is focused not on the events, but on the person. And what John wants us to know is there's an essence of Jesus you might not see that starts elsewhere. If you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to start in John chapter 1. We're going to make it real easy today. Two verses. No, you're not going home early, but we're only reading two verses. Listen to what John says as he introduces Jesus, his best friend, to us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That doesn't seem like very much. But when we start digging in, we'll find that there's a lot in this introduction that John gives us about Jesus. First off, we have to figure out why John started here. Because John starts off with this really weird phrase, uh, in the beginning. Everybody else is like, oh, there was Mary, and, and then there was this miraculous conception, and she had Jesus. No, John starts off with in the beginning. And we have to ask, when, when is that? And John, like a lot of us, would have been familiar with what we now call the Old Testament. And there's another place in the Old Testament where that phrase is used. As a matter of fact, it's the very first four words of the, God, of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 says this, is In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we can learn two things from that verse about the beginning. Number one is that the beginning is a timeless eternity before creation. A timeless eternity before creation. Now you're going to have to get used to things that we just can't explain very well. But a timeless eternity before creation. Think of it this way. Everything you see, feel, touch, have ever experienced in your life is part of creation. And yet before creation is in the beginning as the Bible puts it. And what we find out about this is it must be timeless because we measure time by days and nights and then those turns into weeks and turns into months and turns into years. And then we divide that out by hours and minutes. None of those things existed because those are all part of creation. So in the beginning in the Bible is a timeless eternity. We don't know much about it, but we know it was before time and before creation. And the second fact is that wherever or whatever in the beginning is, God was there. I love that. I've heard that called the most offensive verse in the Bible. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, offensive part, God. He, he was there. You and I weren't there. Humankind wasn't there. The earth wasn't there. But God was there. He was there before creation. And it tells us something about God, that God is eternal both past and future. So as John starts his story about Jesus, as John starts his story about Jesus, he starts it in that timeless eternity. And it's interesting to me, if it's in a timeless eternity, only eternal things, only eternal things will exist. But yet Jesus is here. Jesus is here before the birth of his mother. Jesus is here before humankind. Jesus is here before night and day. Jesus is here before the world began. If Jesus was there... Therefore, he existed. Our first take-home truth, if you're keeping notes, is Jesus is eternal, past, present, and future. That's, that's hard for us to understand, right? What, what's the old question? Well, where was God in, in the beginning? Somebody I know very well once asked, what did God stand on when he was creating earth? Like, well, how do we understand this particular time? We, we ask all of these questions, and the truth is, is our human mind is not created to understand in the beginning. Because for us, everything in our world has a beginning and an end. We're born and then we die. The sun rises in the morning and the day is over when the sun goes down. We 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 believe our, our minds work with a beginning and an end. And to understand this, we have to be able to understand something we can't, which is there is no beginning and that there is no end. And there's a lot of things like that in the Bible that honestly we can't understand. And we just accept them and we believe them by what we call faith. I I don't grasp it. I can't understand it. I can't put my mind around it. I can't draw it out. But what I can tell you is that God said it, so it must be true. And in this sense, that's one of the things that we have to learn about God and about Jesus here, is that they existed, he existed for a long time. I was talking this week with a coworker at work, and in her small groups at her church, she said one of the, one of the older ladies who is just so full of Bible knowledge that everybody kind of looks to as a mentor and a guide, she said that this lady told her this week, said, um, you, know, you know that you know a lot about the Bible when you've learned enough to realize that you don't know anything about the Bible. And, and there's a truth to that, that we know a lot about the Bible only when we realize, I don't know very much about the Bible. Because there's a lot of things that are too big for us to understand and too big for us to grasp. And this question of Jesus being in the beginning, it provokes a lot of questions that are too big. Let's continue on with what John said In the beginning was the Word. Now, that's an odd thing for John to start off with in introducing his best friend. In the beginning was the Word. And we have to ask the question well, what is the Word? Raise your hand if you think bird was the word. How many of you thought that? Oh, just me, okay. What is the word? And so John, is he's trying to explain the essence of Jesus Christ, he wants more than the events of Jesus Christ. He's trying to figure out how can I describe with a deeper look at this Jesus. And he goes into Greek culture, and there's a word that is used in Greek culture called Logos. That's the word that is translated word in our Bible here, logos. And, and what this meant in Greek culture was this was the unseen power that held the universe together. Nobody knew what the logos was, but they knew it held the, the universe together. Whatever this logos was, this unseen power in the universe, it's the thing that makes the seasons change and the trees change color. Whatever this logos is, is the thing that makes gravity work. And so in Greek culture, there was this sense, something is out there that does that. And every society has known that. Don't we know that there is some kind of force that holds the world together? You may not be a believer in Jesus Christ. You may not believe in God, but you know something holds the world together. That's why every society has had a religion that tries to define where the world came from. That's why every society has had a belief in some kind of gods that control the weather and control the the, uh, seasons. That's why the Greek philosophers came up with the word logos to describe something they knew was there but they couldn't define. And we see that in modern day that we believe there is some kind of force traveling across the world. Have you ever heard of the word luck? You know, you take a horseshoe and you hang it upside down above your door because it's going to catch the luck, and that's the force that makes good things happen to you. Another religion talks about karma, this belief that if you do something bad, something bad will happen to you, and there's a force out there that if you do something good, something good will happen to you. Even in Star Wars, there's the force. There's some kind of something that makes the world work. Our society and every society has known that there is a logos, that there is something, an energy or a being that holds the world together. And as John introduces his gospel, here's what he's saying. He uses the word logos to describe Jesus Christ. He goes, oh, the logos, the the, the force that holds the world together. I know him. I know him. He's a person. He's a being. And more importantly, understand what John is trying to say here, that this divine reasoning, this thing that was here before time, that's actually a person. And he was a carpenter who walked among us. Now, what John is telling us about Jesus is huge. Some of you have heard this before. I've heard this before. But what John is defining here is that there's something bigger than we can understand in this world. And he says, it's the Word. It's Jesus Christ. It's a man that walked the earth who was more than a man. Our next take-home truth is Jesus is a man in the power and the power that holds the universe together. And now we suddenly start to understand Jesus differently. This morning, I was standing out in the lobby. Jessica had her Operation Christmas Child uh, tree up there, and somebody said, oh, I'm excited. Christmas is coming. It's almost here. And somebody else said, I'm not excited. We celebrate Christmas every year because that is the birth of... Jesus okay good job good job that is the birth of Jesus right and we celebrate that every year as an event that happened but listen what John is telling us is the birth of Jesus is not a event it is the event it is the moment where the power that holds the universe together comes into our world and makes himself available to you and me he comes here humbly See, it changes everything about Jesus when we understand that he is bigger than us, that this all eternal power shows up and he comes for us. If John was here, he would say, I know him. Do you know Jesus in that way or have you just heard about him? Do you know him as the power that holds the universe together? Do you know him as something bigger than you or do you just know about him? This brings an obvious question to us. If, If God was in the beginning... In Genesis one one, and then John identifies that Jesus was in the beginning. They must have coexisted in this timeless eternity. We have God, the Creator, and Jesus, the Logos or the Word, because John says the Word was God, which makes a lot of sense, right? If there's a power that holds the world together, it's probably God. But but then John throws us for a loophole. He says, um, "And the Word was with God." And I love John, but that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You ask me, who are you? Oh, I'm Brian. Who are you with? I'm with Brian. A different guy named Brian. No, I'm with myself. It's just me and me here, right? It's it's both of us. I am me and I am with me. But that's how John describes Jesus and God the Father. He says that they were together and that they were the same. And this reveals this mind-blowing fact about God to us. It's what we call the doctrine of the Trinity. And let me be clear. The word Trinity is never found in your Bible but it's the word that we use to apply to the concept of Jesus existing in three different persons. Our next hang-home truth is God exists in three persons. Let me be clear, not three gods, three persons, the same God. And in this Trinity, or in this that we call Trinity, God exists, he tells us, as God the Father, that's the one we think of when we hear of Creator. He exists as as God the Son, that's that's Jesus, and that's the Logos. Both mentioned right here in the first two verses of of John's Gospel. And then not mentioned here, but mentioned elsewhere, is God the Holy Spirit. By the way, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, because he is God, just like Jesus, just like God. Now this is maybe the hardest Christian doctrine to understand. And so in order to help you with that, I have brought a handy-dandy little... uh, Uh, Visual helper here. And I know what you're hoping, Brian. I sure hope that you had the kids in Sunday school draw that up for you. Nope. I was here at seven o'clock coloring this morning. So if you see this piece of paper, you see that it has different parts of it, right? Like you've got the purple over here and it moves by itself. You've got the red over here. It moves by itself. The yellow moves by itself. They should all be equal, but I'm not a mathematician, so I couldn't make that work, right? And we see that there's three different parts here. But when... When we open that up, you see that those three different parts are all a part of the same paper, and that's what it's with with God. There's there's three different parts with Him. There's God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. They're all somewhat different, but they're all the same God. They're all part of the same God. And once again, this is one of those things that I try to wrap my head around. Like, how does God exist there and here? How is He three persons? How is He different? But how is He the same? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. What I know is John tells us a lot about God right here, though. He tells us that there's something here that you can't grasp. There's something here that's bigger than you can understand. And in only two verses, John has told us this. By the way, this was written by a fisherman. If you want proof that God exists, you get into this deep theological stuff written by a fisherman who would not have had formal education. But he tells us this about Jesus in this. He tells us that Jesus was eternity past, that Jesus is God and that Jesus was with God. And this brings us so many questions. Like, I can't understand. How, how can God be in three persons and yet be the same? How can Jesus be here and God be in heaven and still be the same God? How can the Holy Spirit be here once Jesus is gone? How does that work? And I kind of wonder. I wonder, if, I wonder if that's the point. I wonder if what John's getting at as, as he lays this out is that there's something here that is too big for you to understand. Something that that we can't grasp. And then when you think about something that big and that great and that magnificent when you think about Jesus, then you automatically think, well, compared to that, what am I? When you compare two things and one is obviously greater than the other, it's pretty easy to see, isn't it? I mean, for example, if we compared dogs and cats, you've got one that has a bad attitude and knocks things off the shelves, and one that wants to be your best friend, dogs are obviously superior, I could have preached a heresy, and that wouldn't have made y'all as mad as some of the cat people are right now, right? If you take a Coca-Cola and a Pepsi and you compare them, one of them is a classic taste. One of them is trash that needs to be thrown away. Coca-Cola is obviously superior. If you compare any college in Texas with the Arkansas Razorbacks, one of them is clearly more superior. Did you guys watch that game? That was good, right? That was good. Now now we don't we don't cheer louder for the razorbacks than we do for God, but that was good. Uh, but when we compare me, when we compare me to Jesus, it's pretty clear to see who is great and who is not by what John's telling us. And I think that's what John wants us to know, is that we are small. We're not eternal into the past, although we are eternal into the future. We exist with God, but not in the way that Jesus did. We're not with God and God. And we have a relatively small effect on the world. Listen, I love y'all, and I don't mean to break your hearts, but whatever you're pouring your life into is not going to last another 100 years. If you died today, they would have somebody in your job doing the same job that you're doing before the dirt on your grave was settled. We're so small. There's not much to us. And I love you. I think you're very special, but we're so small. And then you compare that to Jesus Christ who existed in the past. He is the, all, he is the power that holds the world together. He is God. And I look at me and I look at him and I say, I I am nothing. And when we think the world revolves around me, we realize, no, the world, the world really revolves around him. Isn't that the base of our entire religion? Isn't that the gospel? You have to understand that to understand the gospel. You have to understand there is a righteous and a perfect God, and then there's me who is none of those things a dirty sinner who's insignificant in the world. And I think what John wants us to do is he wants us to think about who we are compared to Jesus. Because I'll ask you, were you there in the beginning? No, you aren't. Are, are you the force that holds the world together? If you're a mom, you probably feel like you are, but you're not. You hold your house together, but not, your, not the world and I'll be honest with you. I struggle. I've, I've really been. This has been a hard message for me because I struggle with this day to day living. The fact that I am little and God is big. And, and I'll tell y'all that I have at times I feel like I failed teaching that here as 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 I've tried to pastor. I feel like I haven't been able to to correctly and with the right heart tell you guys and lead this church in that way. But it's the core of who we are. You and I were small, but God, God is great. And that is the gospel. The first song we sang, what was it? What was the first song I had you guys sing back to me? Jesus Loves Me. I'm seeing if you're paying attention this morning. We're not going to sleep today. Jesus loves me, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. I love this next one. They are weak, but he is strong. You know what I wish that had said? I am weak, but he is strong. I am nothing, but he is everything. And this has become too commonplace for us to talk about our Lord and Savior and not be excited that he is more than a teacher, that he is more than a tradition, that he wasn't just a carpenter and it's not just some religion that we come through. We celebrate Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, eternal God. And that's enough for us to celebrate it. Amen. That's enough for us to celebrate. But listen, that's not even the amazing part. That's amazing. We can't grasp that. That's not the amazing part of Jesus Christ. That's not the exciting part. That's not the part that will blow your mind. But the part that will blow your mind is is that he is great and we are small. And when he found us in sin, this great God, he came and he stood in our place. He he came and took our punishment on him. This, This force that holds the world together that is greater than you and I will ever be. He looked down on us, small and insignificant, and said, I I love them. And I I will die for them. I will take their place in death. And so I guess the question that we have here is when we talk about Jesus is is this the Jesus that you know? Or do you know some made-up figment of somebody's imagination that has the name Jesus? Do you know the Jesus that is great that makes you realize how small you are? And do you know him because of a personal experience? and a closeness with him that comes from that. Our last take home truth is, Jesus knows us and can be known by us. And the question is, is do I know him? Does my relationship reflect his greatness and my smallness? Because he he wants us. He wanted to be close to you. Brother Danny, if you want to start making your way up here. And he gave his life in your place. And here's what he says, in order to know him, in order to know who he is, and to have that personal experience with him, all he asks, and and for his grace, all he asks is faith. And that's a hard word to describe, but you know what faith means? All faith means is that I accept that he is great, and I am small, and I choose to live my life that way. And so when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ, it starts at that place. And I wonder if somebody here today might be at that place where I've heard of Jesus, I know of him as so-and-so's brother. But I've never really put myself in comparison to him and realized his greatness and my smallness. And I've certainly never lived my life that way. If that's you this morning, it is time for you to put your faith in Christ. Make the decision, make the decision to live with him as God. And for that very, very small price, he gives you eternal life. For that, for that very, very small ask, he is with you forever. And you can know him personally today's the day. Today is the day to come and know him. I would love to pray with you. I would love to talk with you. And as always, this is open if you'd like to pray. Please stand.